Welcome to the Clear Skin Chronicles, the podcast that takes you on a journey to uncover the secrets of achieving glowing, acne-free skin. We believe that knowledge is power, and by understanding the root causes of your acne, we can create a solid foundation for long-lasting clear skin. I'm Katie Stewart, registered holistic nutritionist and founder of The Clear Skin Solution, where we help women just like you get to the root cause of their acne. And I'm Chris Brown, registered holistic nutritionist and program director in The Clear Skin Solution. Through functional testing, we pinpoint where the body system imbalances lie so we can dive deep into your acne clearing journey. We work virtually with clients to clear up their skin from the inside out and have helped thousands of women worldwide regain their confidence. Chris, you know, one of the things I have a love-hate relationship with? Life. No. Life. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. Yeah, an easy most one? things. That was an easy one. I have a love-hate relationship when we hear from whether it's clients coming in, it's people in our community. They're like, my doctor told me that what I eat has nothing to do with my skin. And this is why it's a love-hate. I love when they say it because this gives an opportunity for us to help educate them because they hadn't been properly educated. Yes. And it's not like, and I should back this up a little bit. It's not like they're saying this in a negative way. Like, well, my doctor said, they're always saying, I don't understand because my doctor said diet has no impact on my skin, but I can see that it does. Can you explain this to me? So that's why I love it. I hate it because it is so incorrect that this I, I don't I don't like using this word, but this misinformation is really impacting the ability for women to clear up their skin. And it almost makes them feel defeated because they're like, well, when I eat a little bit better, like my skin looks better. But if the doctor says that's not, that's not true, then it can't be true. They're the gospel. But how can it not? That's what I just want to say. How can the food that you put in your body, remember food is fuel, it's like putting diesel in a gasoline engine and expecting it to run. They're like, oh, well, it's, it's fuel. Does it make a difference? Diesel and gas do the same thing. Nope. The fuel that you're putting in your body has a massive impact on the overall health. Chris, what do you want to add to that? Because I know you're itching to add. I like it. I, I like where you're going with this. I, I, I'm, I'm listening as if a listener. I'm like, okay, tell me more. Like you've got me on the hook. But you're right. It irritates me. Prior to us coming onto this podcast, I was dealing with somebody and testosterone dominant, mm. no, no food recommendations at all. However, you know what this person said? I've been listening to the podcast and I know it's blood sugar dysregulation. I said, well, then you, you're going to love what's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> That's next week, actually. We're talking blood sugar next week. Right. So exactly. Everything we ingest is for caloric intake, which builds energy, ATP in our system so that we have output. If you don't eat enough, you don't have energy. So tell me how food does not impact the body. Just based on that, that concept right there. Just based on energy alone. Because remember, when you eat the food, your body is breaking that food down and it's absorbing the nutrients from it. That's giving your body fuel that it needs. It's absorbing the vitamins, minerals, the phytonutrients, the healthy fats. It's breaking it all down because your body needs that to sustain itself. It needs that to feed its, its organs, to feed its cells, to function, to give you brain power, to literally go about your day and move your limbs. You need nutrients. 
So how can it not impact your skin? It's not like your skin is separate from your body. And I think that's where a lot of Western medicine kind of has that disconnect is, is they're looking at different parts of the body as completely separate. But we have to remember every system, every organ in our body works together as one. So what's happening in our gut's going to impact our skin. What's happening in our brain's going to impact what's going on in our digestive system. And all of these interconnections, we have to remember that the food that we eat can really be a big contributor to what is going on with our health. And then that begs the question. I'm going to ask you this question. Oh, question, pop quiz. So clients, they go to the doctor, no, diet's not impact. And we say, paha. <laughs> Tell me more. Oh, well, then I want a refund on all my education. Right? <laughs> yeah, refund on all these years and all these thousands of women that we've helped. Clearly, it doesn't work. Just please, Lord, mercy, right? So if diet isn't the impact or a impact, because it's not mm -hmm. the end all be all, right? We know that. Right. Absolutely. If that's not there, then why do so many people get gains if they are a type 2 diabetic? They go after meals. They go after diet. They go after ingestion. If they have cholesterol, Western's getting way better at saying, hey, let's look at the food patterns. I mean, spoiler alert, I'm going to say that's actually not. So they've done it a little backwards, but whatever. However, you're right. These organs, these what is our skin? Our skin is the largest organ of the entire body. So by the time you have symptoms coming out your largest organ, there's internal inferno at some point there's heat there's stagnation there's dampness you know dry skin doesn't necessarily mean your body does not have enough hydration so you go to the doctor and for sure there's going to be a pharmaceutical there's going to be an announcement of you know this big thing that they can treat mm -hmm. but the irritating thing for you and I is even removing say a soda from yeah. somebody that has osteoporosis has huge leaching calcium from the bones, huge impacts. Somebody that has high excessive stress and anxiety, what are their magnesium levels? Mm. And I mean, not the preliminary magnesium, but really magnesium from their red blood cells. Or think about it like this is another good example is when you go to get, you say, your iron checked at your doctor, the doctor's like, oh, you got to get, you got to get an iron transfusion because it's so low. That's how you're going to get your energy. Like these are these nutrients that like that you need to be eating, say, more proteins. You need to be more eating more iron-rich foods. So I, I find it's just there's a lot of disconnect between, oh, no, it only impacts these four health issues, but your skin, your skin, it doesn't matter. And let's please remember, as much as I love that word diet, I'm going to mm. use the word nutrition. Nutrition, yes, nutrition for you, Katie, is not nutrition for me. Right? Celiac. You can have soy. Hashimoto's, I cannot. Gluten and dairy, same train. Dairy, you can tolerate it better than I, but it's kind of weird, right? It's an autoimmune. However, we know regardless, autoimmune has certain triggers, the end. So that's going to comprise a different nutritional profile. Somebody that comes in, what about the clients that's, I've been on anti-inflammatory, I've been doing it. Again, have you been doing it the Chris and Katie way? <laughs> so we got a big one today, right? Like I really want to go and I want to talk about this. So you, everyone's kind of on the same page. We're going to talk about how not all diets are the same. 
Then I really want to discuss the anti-inflammatory diet because that's one we talk about with our community quite a bit. And then I want to go into that big one is what happens when healthy eating doesn't work. So let's rewind. That's where we're going all today. Hang out and stay on the journey with us. So let's talk about how not all diets are the same. Like you were discussing this, how, you know, I'm celiac, gluten, and even dairy, hard no for me. And you being ha- uh, having hashies, like soy, no go for you. And it's, you know, my my dear friend and mentor, Julie Danelk, always says is there's 7 billion diets for 7 billion people. Mm-hmm. And really even pulling back, and she likes to call it a live it. Because I think we have such a bad connotation of the word diet from like the 80s and 90s, low fat, low salt. It's whenever you hear the word diet, people think of weight loss. Jane think Fonda. There's for, the Jane Fonda workout. There's tapes. for our millennials. There's a Google for you. Jane Fonda. <laughs> Jane Fonda workout tapes. So that's what we, we just have this negative, negative thought when we think, hear the word diet. So that's why I love that Julie uses the word live it. We can use the word nutrition. So we're really focused on anti-inflammatory nutrition. And it's going to be dependent, right? Like what works for me isn't going to work for Chris, isn't going to work for you. You really need to get in tune with your body and find out what works well and listen to your body. And you listen to your body through symptoms. That's how your body is communicating with you. So we, we're we really big on our clients coming in in food journaling for the first few weeks, right, Chris? Because this is going to be able to get some really solid information. And you're probably thinking, oh, I don't want a food journal. That's not going to tell me anything. It's actually quite insightful. So a quick example, food journaling, you would just, you know, on a notepad in your phone, like, I don't care where you write it down and you'll write, write, you know, how are you feeling before you're eating? Write down what you ate. And then you can be noting your symptoms throughout the day. So if all of a sudden at 2 PM, you have a horrible stomach ache, let's note that down. If maybe your mood changed, we want to be looking at the the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms you experience throughout the day. And when you start looking at this over a seven-day, 14-day period, you're going to start seeing patterns emerge like, oh my gosh, anytime I eat edamame, random thing, anytime I eat edamame, I get a really bad stomach ache two hours later. So you'll start to see that your body is communicating. And when you start to really understand that, you know, you don't have to journal it anymore because you're like, oh, yep, no, that was two hours ago. I ate X, Y, and Z. So this is how your body is communicating with you. And most often... You will have no idea how to jump in to that intuitive. That's what we call it, intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. That's where we want. That's where inside the Clear Skin Solution, that's where we drive people because it's all about the sustainability. Mm -hmm. When you have a lot of static, there could be many drivers, you know, from the Mm -hmm. shampoo to the lipstick. And now all of a sudden we're putting edamame into our body. And, oh, then we had a fight with a coworker and all of this transcribes into a massive acne outbreak, Mm -hmm. which is the trigger. So again, we want to ensure through food ingestion that we are trying to isolate the foods we know work well and limit the foods that perhaps don't work well. Some people tolerate coffee, some people don't, and some people like myself just say, "Uh, don't touch my coffee. (laughs) I don't tolerate it well. If I drink coffee, I feel like I've taken a drug, like my hands shake. I get lots of anxiety. I feel nauseous. So coffee and I aren't friends, unfortunately, but Mach and I are. Mach and I are friends. And see, opposite. So again, how we're also digesting or you would be a fast oxidizer of that coffee. It's getting a direct impact into the body, essentially, right? For myself, it's nice and slow. I biohack it a little bit. It's a little bit different. These types of things. So all of these foods outside of the external toxins, like the things we're putting on ourselves, all of these foods can either aid in 
the caloric intake, the energy, the output. There's other things like oxidative stress, which we can go into. But whatever we put in, you better believe either the body can use or it has to get rid of. It's either helping or hindering. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So let's go into anti-inflammatory diet first. Anti-inflammatory nutrition. We're going to get rid of that word diet. You're going to catch us trying to flip it around a few times. But anti-inflammatory nutrition is a really beautiful lifestyle of eating that allows you a huge, huge variety of foods. Mm -hmm. And when we're looking at inflammation, you know, inflammation, acute inflammation is a good thing because if like you, you like break an ankle, sprain something, hit something, you're going to get that swelling. You're going to get the redness. You're going to get the irritation. And that's because your body's telling you don't move this. We need to make sure this stays still or I, I need to start sending, you know, healing, healing cells over in order to, you know, get that blood refresh, whatever the body is doing for that specific injury. Chronic inflammation, on the other hand, is where the issue arises. This is where the inflammation stays for long periods of time. And when we're dealing with chronic inflammation in the body, it can be leading to a number of symptoms. To be honest, like inflammation really is at the core root of the majority of diseases that we experience. Of course, inflammation is going to have a big contribution to acne. We're going to see it in any type of those itis, like colitis, bursitis. You're going to be seeing it in joint pain. Maybe it shows up as headaches for you. There's any number of illnesses have inflammation at that root. I love that you said the itis. All the itis. Because think of itis. That's inflammation. It sounds like when somebody says, oh my gosh, I have arthritis. I'm like, okay, you have inflammation of the joints. What joint? And they're like, no, I told you I have arthritis. And I said, yeah, I know, right? When we isolate it as inflammation in an area, is that not a symptom? Mm -hmm. So that gives us great gains in order to go, okay, well, arthritis can be specific to the way the kidneys function. We want to go and support the kidneys. There's specific kidneys foods. You know, there's, I'm not even going to get into it, but you know, there's a whole bunch of different categories of it to reduce this inflammatory reaction. Why would we ever want to not support ourselves that way? So if I say that there's certain foods that can help mitigate the pathways of inflammation, do you feel hopeful? Mm -hmm. Of course. Now, you mentioned the white coat syndrome, I call it. <laughs> I call it the yes, uh-huh, I'll do whatever, because seven years of an education, you better believe I better trust the system, either that or the system's broken, right? Anybody that breaks your trust, what happens? The relationship dissolves. So the, no matter in holistic and or Western, the difference I find between the two, I'm going a little bit on a tangent here because I really, this is, I have this conversation a lot. The difference I find between the Western and the holistic is by the time people get to a holistic realm, they have no longer the faith, the trust in the mm. medical system because they've been told they are fine. Their labs are great. It's all in their normal. head. What about the one client that said, remove pizza and pop from your diet and you'll be fine? Never consumed it in three years. So these types of things 
Those things alone, hearing those words alone can create an inflammatory like response. And if you already have inflammation, where does it drive? In a pre-existing spot. So when we look at foods, can they be helpful? I think we've nailed this. And and if by the time you've gotten to this part of the podcast, if you are not on team anti-inflammatory, team Mm -hmm. holistic foods, which really means whole foods, right? Whole foods. Maybe, maybe define that. That's what it is. That's what I teach Mm -hmm. people. And I, before we go any further, I do want to like make a note. There are some really incredible, well-meaning doctors out there that value nutrition. I've seen out of, I've seen 50 plus doctors in my time. And I would say three or four of them have talked about the importance of food. And we really can't fault the doctors themselves because they were never trained or educated in this way. They spend seven, eight, 10, sometimes 11 years if they're a specialty in medical school. And I can't remember the exact stat, but I believe last time I looked a few years ago, it's like they only require less than 20 hours of nutrition training in that seven, eight, 11 year period. I can't see your hands. Seven hours. Seven hours. Seven hours. Thank you. That was the stat. So they require seven hours. And I remember that article I was reading, it said that most of them don't even complete that seven hours. So we almost can't fault them because they don't have the education required. They're they're educated in other ways, you know, absolutely life-saving surgical ways, which if I have a, you know, I always say a gunshot wound to the abdomen. I, I probably won't ever have that. But if if I need a life-saving surgery, I am so thankful that we have Western medicine. And I really, I, I can't wait for the day where we see that beautiful merge of holistic and Western medicine because that allows you to have the preventative aspect and then the life-saving aspect. Right. And that's something. And, oh, oh final one. Yeah. I don't mean to go on a tangent. I like also. Them as you know, Chris, that the original, you know, education around nutrition not having an impact on health um, or impact on acne, sorry, I should say, was based on a very old and very flawed study. I believe it was from the 70s. And that's what all of the dermatology med students have been taught. But since then, there's, there's really been no, as far as I know, there hasn't been updates to that, that thinking, unfortunately. So this is why it's so important to really dig into how is nutrition impacting the body? Just because my doctor says it doesn't, doesn't mean that's true. Right. And for every pharmaceutical, there is a food almost equivalent in essence. So if we're going to lower cholesterol, there are foods to assist opening up those pathways. Unfortunately, like you said, the data is outdated. So they want margarine in <laughs> I know. Chris, don't make me cringe. Please don't margarine, That's like everybody. Birth Please. control to Katie. It doesn't don't go over well. Right? They want margarine in. But what about MCT? What about, you know, certain types of fats that the body can actually use? Yeah. Heart healthy, ha- ha- uh, happy fats. Now, so go ahead. You go. Oh, I was going to no, say, no, you no, go. I, and the, why I'd, I'd want to just use other examples is I know we're so acne eccentric. At the end of the day, When people come to us with acne, maybe one out of 500, their medical profile shows acne as the only contributor. 
it, like the symptoms, acne is just one symptom that we see. Well, if clients coming in that are like, I have acne, but I also have IBS and I also have arthritis and I also get chronic migraines. And the next client coming in is like, I have acne, but I also have endometriosis and I have had this issue and I have that issue. It's almost never just one symptom that a person's dealing with. And you may be thinking, oh no, like I just have acne. But what's your energy like in a day? How do you sleep? What's your mood like? Do you, you know, have joint pain? Do you have, do you ever get a random stomach ache? You know, do you get brain fog? Like these are all other symptoms that we want to be looking at. So when we are identify them, like we were talking, are you identifying them or is it so normalized? So if you have gas and bloat and you've had that for a decade to you at this point, it is normalized. If your joints hurt in the winter, it's going to be addressed or contributed to colder seasons. Well, what about the person that lives in Texas, right? They don't have the same kind of drop, but they can have the same kind of inflammation. These types of things. So please just go into that intuitive, like, like Katie said, and journal or start just when you're eating, how do I check in with yourself an hour later? How do I feel? Mm -hmm. Because I guarantee you tired, tired. So let's now dig into how inflammation, and I always like to include oxidative stress because inflammation, oxidative stress can really go hand in hand in the body. So Chris, I'm going to let you go into teacher mode. This is where she excels, is let's talk how inflammation and oxidative stress can be a big, big contributors to acne and how they happen. Okay. So oxidative stress, the big world is free radicals. So when we, I'm just going to use food for, so when we, we adjust ingest a food and it doesn't resonate with our body, regardless if we have a symptom or not. So please remember what you eat Monday may show up Thursday morning. Okay. So as we have that reaction, your body has to be a fine tuned machine in order to support that immune system going on hiatus, that inflammation like response going to the area to aid its repair. And if it can't, what happens is these toxins, these uglies, these mutant-like behaviors inside, I'm trying to give descriptors. I'm just thinking X-Men. I know. I'm <laughs> going to be like, are we turning into X-Men over here? Because I want to be Storm. She's my favorite. Well, who wears pink? I don't know if any of the X-Men wear pink. It's kind of a black outfit situation. Well, as long as I get a pink belt, I'm in. Just we'll make a character. Okay. I was going like on a roll there. Okay. I'm sorry. That's all I could think of when you said mutant. (laughs) But it is. It can mutate our genetic disposition. So, you know, when we talk about the dirty genes, one thing that irritates me, like birth control irritates you is it's in Mm -hmm. my family history. I love that it's in your family history. Thank you. Because this is telling me the lifestyle. This is telling me the decades and the compounding residual insults of that diet, of that toxic environment all the way forward, Right. However, when we look at that oxidative stress is your body has to be able to play out the stress-like response. And you've heard me say that before. If your body can't take that stress, whatever it is, play it out, eliminate it through sweat, urine, thoughts, bowel movements, we're going to reintoxicate ourselves. And then it just becomes, I don't know, an X-Men, what's the, you know, when you, you go on the bad side and you come in even stronger, right? Or more toxic. I don't know if there's a word for that, to be honest. Okay. So I call that the ex-boyfriend. So you know what I mean? <laughs> Can I call it the ex-boyfriend? Why not? The ex-girlfriend, the ex-boyfriend, the ex-partner. I don't care. At the end of the day, 
all of this buildup becomes now more of that chronic inflammation, which is then it builds and it lasts months, years. And then the results of the failure to eliminate causes and the backup hollow acne. What about the backup into the liver of the unexposed thought pattern, anger, resentment? Because liver is known in traditional Chinese medicine as the seat of anger, where we hold a lot of repressed emotions and repressed anger. So sometimes if you do a liver detox, you may feel a little bit moodier, a little more irritable. Right. Because the liver is releasing those repressed emotions. So all of this as well needs a strong circulatory system. And in amongst the circulatory system is blood. And through traditional Chinese medicine, it's called blood qi. And that is 100% correlated to the kidneys. And what symptom can we get at the Clear Skin Solution? They come to us maybe for it. If the kidneys get impaired, acne, right? So all of this inflammation, all of this oxidative stress, the reason why we boast about the anti-inflammatory is to look at the triggers, get lots of those good boasting, you know, anti-inflammatory foods in, as well as listen to the symptoms so that we can step back and say, "Uh uh-oh, that seems like an oxidative stress. You don't have to do that. We do that for you. Uh Uh-oh, that's an acute stress because it's short-term and it sounds like your body has played it out. So how do we do it? Monitor bowel movements. Monitor the color of urine. How often are you sweating? What do you feel like after you're eating? Those are just little tiny nuggets of free tangibles that you could be doing right now as you're listening to this saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to start applying this immediately. Mm -hmm. And when we're looking at inflammation, let's talk about how that inflammation can be caused. So we have to, again, lead back to the gut because leaky gut, which is aka intestinal permeability, goes hand in hand with inflammation. So our gut lining, right? We have all of these tight little cell junctions that are nice and cozy up against each other. And when we eat something that's irritating to those tight cell junctions, whether it's a pro-inflammatory food, um, alcohol, medication, even over-the-counters, things that irritate the gut, what happens is those tight cell junctions, they start to pull apart and they Um, they allow like little microscopic holes essentially to pop up. Almost think of your gut as like a colander that you would strain water in. And what happens is undigested food particles and toxins and bacteria enter into your bloodstream that aren't supposed to be there. And the body's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing here? I'm going to throw up an inflammatory response because this is an intruder and you need to go. And this is how we can really see that increase of inflammation because our gut health has, has been irritated by even, even chronic stress, right? We have to look at that gut-brain-skin access. The foods, the pro-inflammatory foods, which will go into the, the medications, the over-the-counters, the alcohol, anything we consume can either be, again, helping your gut or hindering it. Yeah, Really, the big word we're looking at here is epigenetics, fair? Mm -hmm. So epigenetics, again, not new, just it sounds nice. Oh, it's been trendy lately, for sure. I've heard lots of epigenetics that I'd say in the last three, four years has been quite trendy. Yeah, I'm right. We're both. We're both right there. Essentially, it's the link between mind and matter. So it's the effects of everything we do in our life, come across dealings, all of these things, how it has into our personal lives, and then the collective life, 
for the entire species of, again, that interaction. Now, what the heck does that all mean? I'm going to ungeek that myself because I, I know I was, I was waiting to be like, Chris, bring it down a notch. What that means is absolutely everything in our life has an energy effect to the body. And that energy effect, if it again, it is not played out because stress equals inflammation. Inflammation equals signs and symptoms. And signs and symptoms, when they don't ever get listened to, it's like that nagging child on your sleep. Mom, 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 mom. Eventually, they're going to have a hissy fit. It's that's how it goes. Then that's going to ease in to that dis-ease, that disorder or the illness. We have a beautiful path in there that we can step back, chill out the inflammation, and if foods is a viable resource, why are we not taking that as a first step to help mitigate it? Because I'm gonna, that's rhetorical, and I'm going to tell you why. Because it's hard AF. Because it's hard, especially if you grew up in a family that ate that standard North American diet. You know, I'm a millennial, so I grew up in like the age of box everything, Pop-Tarts and toaster strudels and pizza pockets and Kraft Dinner and and like Vector cereal and Fruit Loops. Oh like, my God, Vector cereal. I used my to eat that like loved it. crazy. I, I hated it. I liked, you want to know what I loved? I loved the big shredded wheats and I would cover it in brown sugar, like just a cake on the brown sugar. That was my favorite. But my brother's eight vector. I'm pretty sure one of my younger brother, Tim, still eats it, but I'll have to confirm with Paige. Oh, yeah. Look at that flashback right there for me, right? Yeah. Right? The stuff I used to do, the microwave, the microwavable meals. Oh. Let's, I was just teaching this this week and I said, isn't it kind of funny that health went down? Hello, you know, 70s early 80s, yeah. when we had these TV dinners come in and they were pseudo foods put in plastic, wrapped in plastic. You would poke a little hole in it, put it into a Microwaves device that just fried whatever might be available there. And, you know, kids come over to our house and they're like, Peyton, where, 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 where's your microwave? And, I don't have one. And I'm like, I don't, I haven't had one in like a decade. And they're like, mm -hmm. one, one girl says, Chris, I've got to ask you, I know you do all that, that food stuff, but why would you not have a microwave? I said, cause I have an oven and a stove and they're like, oh, cause it destroys the nutrients in your food. I didn't even need to get there. But did you see that correlation where she's like, oh, like people don't understand. Take away the microwave. How am I going to heat my food? Because it's a staple. Stove and oven. Just like Stove and oven. when I say hard AF to reconform re the way we eat, mm -hmm. an anti-inflammatory diet for you and I, easy peasy. It's second nature now. It wasn't in the beginning. So let's go into how you can eat anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Now, if you guys have been listening to the podcast, you know, I have was not a healthy eater growing up. You know, my mom still, you know, she really worked hard to have home cooked meals. I, I, I don't want to take that away from her. And, you know, when I would have my like $5, I'd go to the, buy all the candy. My family called me carbo cakes. All I ate was grilled cheese, pierogies, chicken fingers, fettuccine Alfredo. I used to host a food show where I'd go and eat like you know, a foot high burger. If it was a junk food, I loved it. Like eating a bag of Lay's sour cream and onion chips was my jam after school every day. Then I'd have a pizza pocket. I'd like, I wasn't a good eater. Let's just put it that way. So I can really appreciate 
that fear of change Mm -hmm. because it's scary. I liked going to McDonald's and getting, you know, a double Big Mac and supersized fries because it tasted good. Why would I want to go and eat a salad? That's not fun. So I took it very slowly. This wasn't I woke up one day, was like, I'm going to eat the best diet ever. It was a slow transition, right? Like we always talk about many small steps make for one massive leap. So I really took it slowly where I'm like, okay, you want to know what? I'm going to try and eat this one new vegetable this week. I'm going to try and roast something a different way. I'm going to start eating less McDonald's, like whatever that may be. So it's not like we're saying you need to wake up tomorrow and make all of these changes. And please don't. <laughs> because don't because you be are awful. oh yeah you're gonna be like bye-bye Chris and Katie like that was a terrible idea yeah no thank you so let's talk about how we can really be easing into that it really is going to be dependent where you are on the spectrum right maybe you know you're eating that standard North American diet right now and you want you want to try it on but you just don't know how or maybe you're already like no I'm doing well with my anti-inflammatory I just need to I, I want to up level like what up levels do you have so I want to talk about anywhere on that spectrum so if you are starting if you didn't listen to was it last week's um, podcast that we talked about no season two episode one the first one of this season we went into um, how to make like healthy eating for acne sustainable, essentially. And we really delved into, like I said, many small steps, one massive leap. So pick, you know, one or two things you want to try on. Maybe it's drinking more water. Maybe it's adding one new vegetable to your plate. Maybe it's, you know, swapping that McDonald's burger for a homemade burger, like these small little changes. And when you're feeling comfortable with that, you try something else on. And I always like you to start with the easiest thing. Don't go and pick the hardest thing pick the easiest thing and go on from there. Chris, any additional insights for those that want to start eating better? It needs to be nice and slow. And a game plan. Your game plan Mm -hmm. should show a 12-week progression. So, and you're like, well, you just told me go slow. Like, but what if you're at two cups of water and that 12-week progression is over four weeks, you're going to get up to eight cups right? Then every week you can reassess. Oh, I'm feeling better. I'm doing something. I love, love, love when people want to start going anti-inflammatory, eating by the rainbow. So when you go to the grocery store, if you bought blueberries last week and it's a fruit, then maybe we're going to get green apples, right? And then we'll get yellow bananas. Just why, Chris? Why do we want the rainbow? We need the rainbow because we absolutely have to have variety and rotation so that we get key nutrients, minerals, all of those wonderful things into our body. When we eat the same thing, and by the time you have acne majority, I mean, we have some clients that come in and uh, they eat better than me for sure. Mm -hmm. And, but for majority of people out there, we have to get that variety and rotation because we've, we have our food list that is so narrow We forget that green beans exist, that kale exists. It's because one, we probably do not know how to cook it. Because I'll tell you, Carbo Kate, if I told her to eat kale and she tried it, it's going to be bitter and nasty. Oh, I hated it the first time I had it. I was like, sorry, what? And then I learned that you actually had to massage the kale to break the fibers down so that it wasn't awful to eat. Yes. I, I didn't know these things. And this is why... I, I love doing my, like the blog that we have every week, we have a different recipe come out. We've been, I've been doing this for years, like years. I, I had a different blog before this. Um, so I probably been putting recipes up for seven or eight, no, maybe even 10 years now. Well, that's, um, whoa, weird. <laughs> but this is <laughs> weird. This is why I- She's going to put really, on retinol really, now. <laughs> 
<laughs> all the retinol is going on, all of it. But this is why I find it so important to have those weekly blogs because oftentimes, you know, your page, you're like, Katie, we're so busy. Why don't you just put a hole in the blogs? I'm like, no, we need to put out all of the recipes so people can see that they can still have their favorite comfort foods and eat healthy because I was, I'm a big on comfort foods. You know, I want to eat my mom's cabbage rolls. I want to eat my Nona's lasagna. I want to have like the chicken fingers. I'm just going to do it in a healthier way. And instead of you having to trial and error, I've already done the trial and error, error for you. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put a lot of comfort food recipes up on the blog. So that could even be one of the things you start doing in the beginning. Search, go into the blog, search a keyword of a food that you would like to try and try the recipe out. No, and t- and take it on for yourself. And I love when our clients come. They're like, "Oh my gosh, we made one of your X, Y, and Z recipes, and my even my husband loved it. Even my my little kids loved it." So this is how it can really get exciting because you need to make healthy eating sustainable. You need to find healthy substitutes to your favorite food. So now that we talked about that, let's talk about how we're going to be eating anti-inflammatory. Anti-inflammatory are foods that naturally reduce inflammation in the body. Pro-inflammatory foods increase inflammation in the body. So we want to be looking at the different categories of food, our proteins, our vegetables, our fruits, our herbs, our spices, our beverages, our condiments, all these different areas of our food we want to be taking into consideration when we're eating. Such an open, like a huge concept, right? Like I'm trying, Mm -hmm. I'm going in my head. Break it down. And I'm trying to like break it down for people. And right. When we do add small things, the fact is, is if we don't eat fruits, why don't we start with the fruit category, right? Not everybody can eat what they call, oh, what is it? It's like pit, but there's a name for it. I'm just, I can't think of it. What are you talking about? Like Like a peach has a pit. Like it's a seed, but it's not a seed because I don't want a stone. A stone? Yeah. A stone fruit. Yeah, stone. Whoa. I know. You (laughs) see what happens? It's a hot minute. It's Friday, everybody. We record on Fridays. This is what happens sometimes. Sometimes this thing doesn't turn on, right? Stone fruit is the word you were looking for, Chris. So peaches is, is an example. Plums. Sometimes I find those very reactionary, except when people aren't eating fruits, we want fruits in like that. And a lot of people, when they come educated, they're like, oh, well, I can't eat that because I read that and that's a stone fruit and that's going to exasperate my acne. And I'm- Oh, the people that are very well read and eat like, air quote, clean diet, mm-hmm. they have, I would say they have a, some, most, again, I'll say a good portion of them have a lot of food fear because they're like, no, 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 I read about the lectins in that. I read about the phytoestrogens in that. I read about the histamines in that. I read about the this. I'm like, Dude, if you, you're like, I can't eat all those foods because histamines, electins, the phytonutrients, this, the, that, you're going to be left with nothing. So we really want to be making sure that you're eating specific to your in issues in the body. And that's why we use a hair trace mental analysis because those really healthy people, they're already eating really well. So the next way to up-level that is to get proper functional testing, like a hair trace mental analysis to see what those imbalances in the bodies are. So you can really fine tune what you're eating. That right there is key. Often when people come in, they may say, well, um, I don't want to do anything where I'm going to be deprived. And you look at their food journal and they're eating the f- same 15 foods. And when we ask them to eat more, they're like, 
why why are you making me do that? So are you making me change? Why are we're creatures of habit change? though. That's exactly it. So we need to get those nutrients. We need to get the right in rotation. And again, well-educated uh, clients, come on in because we love it. I love to geek out. Whenever I can geek out and I can up-level your information, I'm going to give that to you. Legumes aren't for everybody. It might cause gas, right? Vegans, we're not going to recommend meat right? There's a bunch of different things. So anti-inflammatory, again, in a whole encompasses 80% whole foods, foods that come from the earth. We can grow it or we can raise it. And the 20% comes from a package. 20%, by the way, is not really big. For those people that have a glass of wine, that would be a, I would say about a three ounce glass of wine. I probably wouldn't even push it back. They're like, what? I'm just getting warmed up. Who drinks three, three ounces? ounces. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I drink nine. What are you talking about? I barely even, I barely even wet my lips out of the three ounces. Exactly. These types of concepts. So I don't want to hyper-focus on all of them because here's what's happened is people, we're driving home with them right now in their car and they're going to say, well, I eat chickpeas and I eat kidney beans. Are you going to tell me they're, they're, I can't do that anymore? And I'm going to say, no, we need to see what you're eating to see how it's working to see how to keep it anti-inflammatory. Bottom line, we want to make things alkaline. So veg fiber has to be up. If you don't like a lot of veg or fibrous foods, we're going to work on that nice and slow because it's not that you don't like it. It's you're not exposed to it. So forgive yourself for not being an avid fruit and veggie person. Because I wasn't, and here I am, a nutritionist. So miracles can happen, everybody. And if you ever if you see my see mom the in block, public, she's track her down in there. She'll tell you. And when we're looking at those anti-inflammatory foods, so let's break down some examples. Yep. So obviously, when we're looking at anti-inflammatory, we want to be focusing on protein and produce as the bulk of our plate. Like if we can be filling in an ideal, we're going to work up to that half of our plate with fibrous, you know, vegetables and, and that kind of stuff on half. And then we're going to be getting about, I'd say what, 25% of our plate should be about protein. And then we can be getting some more of those slower carbs, like the sweet potatoes and the squashes and that kind of things. So when we're looking at some really great anti-inflammatory foods, we're going to be looking at pretty much, Chris, I would say every vegetable out there would be a great one to be including anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. And remember, Corn is not a vegetable, people. Corn is not a vegetable. It is a grain. And they're like, wait a minute, what? So if we can be getting in a variety, so let's say you're going to try a bok choy, maybe a broccoli, a cauliflower, maybe you're doing red peppers or you know, you're know, you doing sweet potato, squash, zucchini. There are so many foods out there that when you're focusing on eating anti-inflammatory and eating better, I want you to think about all the things you get to have. Try not to think about, oh, I don't get to have that. No, 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 no. There are thousands of foods out there for you to eat. You should never be hungry when you're eating an anti-inflammatory way. Like Chris and I eat this as our day to day and we are definitely not starving. We, we eat very, very well on a day. And when we're looking at, say, those fruits, like think about those, like the wild blueberries, like the dark pigmented fruits are really great. The dark cherries, um, you know, the pomegranates, avocados, These are wonderful anti-inflammatory foods that we can be including. Then if we're looking at protein, it's going to come down to, you know, are you an omnivore where you eat animal products or are you a vegan or vegetarian or even a pescatarian where you only eat fish? So if we're looking at those animal proteins, this is where quality matters. Mm -hmm. 
because you are what your food eats. So if you're eating, you know, chicken or beef that's been fed a feedlot of pesticide laden GMO corn and grains injected with hormones or antibiotics and, you know, never sees the sunlight and is in a stressed environment, that's going to be very unhealthy protein for you to be eating. So we always encourage you to, you know, be able to purchase the best with your budget. And let's, again, let's just say you have $100 to spend on meat in a week. Instead of spending $100 on a quantity of meat, like, you know, getting all of the cheapest things you can find, let's see if you can get some better quality options of your animal proteins and then fill the rest with some uh, vegan proteins because things like chickpeas, dried chickpeas, super, super cheap. So you're still getting your protein in and still getting that quality in. You're just shifting that budget around a little bit. So maybe you're doing poultry, like you're doing chicken, you're doing turkey, you know, maybe you're doing a grass-fed beef. Yeah, you can have rotations of grass-fed beef in there. It's all in that moderation. You know, maybe you're doing like wild game, like a bison, or, you know, maybe you, uh, like we have some clients whose spouses are hunters. So they really eat those more wild game meats. The different fishes, again, this is a hot topic. People are like, oh my God, we can't eat fish because of all of the heavy metals and because of this and because of that. Here's the thing. If you're getting sustainable, low on the food chain fish that have much lower levels of mercury, you're going to be able to still include those foods that are really, really high in omega-3s. And we know omega-3s are great for reducing inflammation. They're great for our skin health and for acne. So being able to have those in moderation is going to be great as well. Pasture-raised eggs that have those beautiful orange-colored yolks. And people are like, oh my gosh, what do you mean? I have acne. I can't eat an egg. <laughs> this is, again... This like Chris, have you been reading my DMs? <laughs> Chris, in all of the years we've been doing this, you know, all of the all of the clients we've had, how many would you say actually could not eat eggs because it flared up their skin and it ended up just being an intolerance? I would say based on so in my head, that's a PG2 series. So that's a pro-inflammatory eggs are on that category about five percent of all clients because they had some kind of other inflammation where they weren't able to break down the protein of the egg versus the actual food itself. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So these are some great animal-based proteins that you can be doing. And then if you're vegan, of course, you have chickpeas, lentils, legumes, you know, the, the quinoa, you got the nuts, you got the seeds, you know, maybe you're doing organic tempeh. If you do include soy, we, we would heavily recommend it's organic because it's such a genetically modified crop and it's a very heavily sprayed crop with pesticides that have hormone disruptors. So we want to be making sure that we're eating organic where we can and when we can within our budget. So if you're someone that, you know, is on, on a tighter budget, maybe consider looking at the environmental working groups, Dirty Dozen, and, and maybe focusing on those items. But even if you're like, Katie, there's no way I can afford a grant organic across the board, still eat the fresh foods. I still want you to eat the fruits and the vegetables because those are going to be so, so, so much better for you than those boxed meals that are on the store shelves. Sales discounts, buying in bulk. This is the queen of getting a good budget for I'm working with a client and I have been for a little bit where she's been eating vegan because of budget and she's having perpetual reoccurrence of UTI, of vaginal discomfort, of uh, da, 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 da. And she's done the thing. She has a bit of crystals in her urine, like these types of things. I'm like, hmm, of course, what's that? Uh, no, crystals in your urine is quite normal. 
I can't even go on with that because it, it irritates me to no end. However, here's the thing. She did additional functional testing, did the oat test, and it came back basically saying, please eat more protein and the certain species, because they have a little bit of the species in there, like the colonies, said, hey, you know what? You're not really tolerating sugar or, or breaking down or a lot of those beans, legumes, grains, they perpetuate this. So easy to say, oh my gosh, I'm eating vegan for budget, but it's not, it's not resonating with her. So now we've got to get creative within budget and guess what we're going to do? We're going to get proteins. more animal protein in there so that her body doesn't have that inflammation. And who knew eating vegan was causing inflammation? In her case. In her specific case, because we tend to go vegan because we feel heavy and gross outside of religious and or cultural different. Of, yeah, or, or ethical. Yeah, absolutely. I know. All of those beautiful things. However, we tend to, outside of those realms, do it because we feel like garbage when trying to process down these proteins. And again, we need to be able to break down and assimilate these nutrients or we perpetuate more inflammation. So I want to now move into foods that we want to be avoiding if that are pro-inflammatory. And then we want to talk quickly on what happens when healthy eating doesn't work because we're already like 50 minutes in. You can see how Chris and I could talk on this for a few hours. So when we're looking at pro-inflammatory foods, these are foods that are going to be increasing inflammation in the body. And these are going to be things like, I know, guys, please don't egg our, our house over this. I know uh, I'm, we're going to be the bubble poppers here. The conventional dairy, the, you know, the, the butters and the yogurts and the ice cream and the cheese. I feel like I'm going to get hate mail. There's alternatives. There are alternatives. There's alternatives. Absolutely. You're so lucky. Yes. So, and yeah, so we're going to see that conventional yeah. dairy because that is going to be, again, contributing to that leaky gut raising and inflammation. Mm -hmm. Things like gluten. I know. I'm sorry. And if you're not familiar with gluten would be, it would be in breads and crakes and crackers and baked goods, anything with a flour, um, pasta, that kind of stuff. Rice does not have gluten in it. So that wouldn't be one. And again, there's so many healthy substitutions. Like you can get an organic brown rice pasta or just a brown rice pasta if that doesn't work for your budget. There's legume-based pastas. There's so many different, you know, different gluten-free breads that are going to be dependent on, the brands will be dependent on where you live. Um, crackers, like you can get tons of different gluten-free crackers these days. Like I'm, I'm actually quite jealous of people that are starting to eat healthy now because when I started eating healthy 15 years ago, these things did not exist. So I had to get real creative. It was cardboard. So other things we, it was cardboard. It was so, so awful. Other things would be corn. Corn can be very inflammatory to the body. Vegetable oils, like mm. canola oil, refined vegetable oils, canola oil, Even, which also goes by um, rapeseed, rapeseed, rapeseed yeah. cottonseed, soybean oil, all of these different vegetable oils are really going to do it. Like they're essentially like pouring fuel on the fire. They're, it, it is the refined vegetable oils. So this is where, again, starting to read your labels of what types of oils are they using? You know, maybe for you, if you're, you're used to cooking with canola oil, let's try, you know, if we're cooking with higher heat and avocado oil. And if like here in Canada, I get mine from Costco because it is the best price on avocado oil anywhere. So avocado oil or coconut oil are really good for higher heat cooking. If you're doing uh, light cooking, salad dressings, and extra virgin olive oil can be a really great substitution. Another one is the refined sugars. The refined sugars are so this is inflammatory what, this is what to the body. It's going to 
get the eggs at your house, but it's okay because I'm no, I I'm pretty sure get I'm out the frying pan. All of the things I just said. <laughs> get out the frying pan. <laughs> or hate mail, something. No, it's all me, good. Guys. We're only we're only saying this so that you can look at something. And if you are heavily using canola, hey, you know what? Are you open to go buying or per, like purchasing that avocado oil and trying it out? I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, because it's it's totally a neutral taste. So when we're looking at those refined sugars, that's not to say you can never have something sweet again, because that's just cruel. Like you need to experience all of those wonderful flavors mm-hmm. for your palate. Is let's just get smarter about the types of sweetness that we're doing. So instead of the refined cane sugar, and after this, I encourage you to go in Google list for names of sugar. You will be shocked at how many different names there are for sugar because manufacturers have gotten very clever in the last few years and know that people want to reduce the sugar intake. So they'll call it evaporated beet juice, like like that have don't even have the word sugar in there so that you're like, oh, there's no sugar there. So really helping familiarize yourself with those alternative names can be really, really helpful. In its place, you can be doing things like pure good old Canadian maple syrup. You could be doing raw honey. I love raw honey because it hasn't been heated. So all of the natural enzymes is much lower on the glycemic index. Maybe you're doing a coconut sugar or coconut sap, uh, monk fruit. And if you are getting monk fruit, make sure you're getting pure monk fruit that's not cut with erythritol because that can be irritating for the gut. Maybe you're doing stevia. I personally don't like the taste of stevia. So I, I usually opt for monk fruit or some raw honey. And if you want to go more in depth into sugar, we had a wonderful episode with, again, my friend and mentor, Julie Danilek. Last season, it was, I can't remember, it was in October. She had come around Halloween to talk about how you can be breaking up with sugar. So that would be a really good episode to listen to. Yeah. I think you've based, welcome to the Katie show. Like you were like, you were like on it today. I felt like I was Uh, taking a nap. You did. Chris, I didn't mean to take over today. No, it was good. I like it. I'm just like, you go. Well, I just, I think it's because I've seen such a drastic change in my own health from what I used to be to where I am now mm-hmm. because of my change in my diet. And I, 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 and back in the days, I didn't want to believe that what I was eating was making me feel this way. But when I started to experiment and I was like, oh, wow, my migraines are gone. My stomach aches are gone. My skin's getting clearer. That's what really, really helped me. So let's summarize the foods. And then I want to go into what happens when healthy eating, air quote, doesn't work. So we want to be focusing on that rainbow of foods, you know, the the quality proteins, whether it's animal or it's vegan based. We want to be getting lots of produce. So those beautiful vegetables, you know, two, three servings of the different types of fruit like the wild blueberries and the avocado and like the the grapes for the lovely resveratrol. And then maybe we're getting those healthy fats from coconut, nuts, seeds. We can be getting it from um, the avocado. We can be getting it from the the nut butters, the coconut oils, those types of things. And then we can be looking at all of the herbs and spices. Herbs and spices are not just for flavor, you guys. They are so wonderfully anti-inflammatory, like your oregano, your rosemary, your thyme, you know, your ginger, your turmeric. All of these herbs and spices can be great for helping to reduce inflammation, getting that water intake in. And then we want to be really drastically reducing our pro-inflammatory foods as much as possible, which is the gluten, the conventional dairy, the refined vegetable oils, and the refined sugar, and finding those healthy swaps. And we actually have a blog on the website. I believe it's called The Best Diet for Acne, which we'll link in the show notes. So if you want some easy reference to go back, and while you're there, check out all of the different recipes by searching keywords in the blog. Now, let's go into what happens when healthy eating doesn't work, because I hear this 
a lot. Katie, I've been eating anti-inflammatory, like you said. I've been eating super healthy for months or years or wherever, and I'm still not clearing up my skin. There is a few reasons why. One of the big, I'll let you handle it because I haven't, I have taken the talking over today. So I'll take a sip of water. You, you talk about it, Chris. I always go with, have you been doing it long enough? We're, Number one, have you been doing it long enough? We are so immediate. Have you been doing it long enough? I have, I have a client right now and she's like, yeah, I put all dairy back into my, into my routine because I want to see if it's triggering my bowels constipation, constipation, but she's used to getting diarrhea. See what I mean? So now, no, no, I didn't get acne. I didn't get acne. I didn't get acne. I'm like, can we take it out? Yeah. Okay. Remember three days. So one, we need time for the body to reduce the inflammation load. If you have had acne since 13 and yeast infections at eight and mono at seven, because you went swimming in a contaminated lake, Oh no, right? All of these things perpetuate. Here's the thing. One, have you been doing it long enough? Two, what therapeutics have you done? Again, was it done long enough? When you are going after yeast, this one irritates me. So when you, I got to breathe. When you are going after yeast, there is a certain amount of time, a slow introduction into foods and and supplements. So what about adding supplements? Have you been taking the right supplements? Have you doctored yourself because you've done an internet search and it's great for acne? All of these things can be perpetuating. When we talk about therapeutic protocols, we talk about going in with blinders on. I am going in and I'm supporting the liver. Of course, the residual effect is other things in the body get love too, but that's the hyperfocus, the gut, hyperfocus, the spleen, hyperfocus, whatever it is. So what a protocol is, is a specific time that you are going to focus on an area of the body that is showing congestion with aids like lifestyle commitments, castor oil pad perhaps, supplements that are going to support those pathways, and absolutely foods. We are not isolating just nutrition. So all of this is a protocol. All of this is some good loving therapeutics to your body and working with someone so that when you have the symptom, what happens? We quit. I don't feel good. I'm quitting. This is not working. Now I have constipation versus diarrhea. Of course it can't be the dairy. Dairy would never do this to me. Why? I'll tell you right now, that comment right there is that psycho, like they call it like a psychosomatic connection. It's like when you love something, you better believe it's probably causing an issue. That's going to get eggs to my house. So now we're even. <laughs> so now we're even. So when we really summarize why healthy eating may not have cleared up your skin fully is one, have you been doing it long enough? I like to give it at least 90 days of consistency. Mm -hmm to see any types of shift. And then after those, you know, 90 days, add it back and see how you feel. And to be honest, sometimes you may not even feel anything in your like immediate in your body because there can be a delayed reaction or it could just be contributing to that leaky gut, the intestinal permeability. So one, have you been doing it long enough? Two, is what you're eating, does, does it need tweaking? You know, people are going off that general, I eat really healthy. And we have clients come in saying, oh, no, no, I eat so healthy. And then we look through what they've been eating and we're like, oh, well, this this, I wouldn't consider this healthy. This bar has all of like 15 grams of sugar in this over here. And they're like, oh, I, I thought I ate health. Like we get that all the time. I mm -hmm. thought I ate healthy. And then I came and worked with you guys and I realized that I wasn't eating healthy. 
And then there are those clients though that eat extremely well where we're like, yep, you were eating to a T, you're doing a phenomenal job. The reason here is now we need to pinpoint and further tailor the food that you're eating to your functional lab results. So again, this is why we run a hair trace mineral with every client because I want to see what's happening underneath the surface of your body because you could be eating the best diet in the world, but if it's not tailored to your underlying issues, it's going to do nothing to fix what's going on and causing your skin. So this is where we want to be moving into those therapeutic protocols because maybe your issue is you have candida that's running rampant and you're feeding, just feeding the candida with all of these wonder, like like the high levels of fruits that you're eating and sweet things in a day. Or maybe you're dealing with a lot of liver stagnation and you really need to be eating more specific foods that are designed to help flush out and detoxify the body and the liver. So it comes down to those small little minute tweaks that can have a really drastic change in your symptoms and in your skin. And then that final component is you have to remember, food is not the only thing for your health. We're we're, we're so focused on you just have to eat healthy food in order to be healthy when that's not true. Healthy eating, and we're nutritionists, healthy eating is one component of a healthy body. The other components are going to be movement. Are you getting movement in your day where your body's, you know, whether you're walking, you're going for a workout, whatever it may be. Are you sleeping well? What's going on with your lifestyle? Like lifestyle components are huge. Are you sleeping well? Do you have high levels of chronic stress? Do you have emotional traumas from when you're a childhood that you haven't addressed? These all impact our body as a whole. So we need to be looking at these different areas of our life outside of just the food that we're, we're consuming. Of course, that's going to be a really big contributing factor. Other things would be, are you still you know, using a lot of products in your home, whether it's cleaning products, personal care products, makeup, skincare, whatever it may be, that have a lot of toxins in it, like endocrine disruptors that are going to be impacting your hormonal system and mimicking hormones in your body. These are different areas I want you to start considering because it really is, like healthy is a lifestyle. It's not just a way of eating, it's a lifestyle. And then that final component is going to be, are you doing a protocol properly? Because as you mentioned, Chris, there's three parts to a protocol. There's the food that you're eating, the supplements that you're taking, and those lifestyle habits that we just talked about. Those three things together need to be in unison, tailored to your body, your underlying issues in order to see the results that you want. And you need to give it time. That is like the number one thing is we're such a speedy society. But if you've been dealing with these issues for years or decades, they're not going to clear up in just a couple months of eating more salads and taking a probiotic. You need to give your body the time and the grace and the patience that it needs in order to recalibrate. And for the ones that come in and they're eating great, where I see a little bit of deficiency as well is, are you eating enough? Mm-hmm. Are you balancing your blood sugar? And are, do you have enough variety? So there's still a hundred percent of goodness that we can do if you are eating all the great things. We want to look at those factors first, right? They want to be looking at the macronutrients. Absolutely. Like, are you eating enough protein in a day? Are you getting enough fiber in the day? Is there healthy fats? Are you balancing your blood sugar? Like there's always up levels that can be done. We've never had a single client come in and not be able to up level their nutrition in some way or the other. So I think we, yeah, we are the hour mark, Chris. So we'll let everyone go on with their day. But next week, everybody, we are delving into, I think one of my favorite topics, and that would be blood sugar. If you have acne, 
you need to know about your blood sugar. And we're going to be delving deep into it next week on Wednesday. Thanks for hanging out with us this week on the Clear Skin Chronicles. We'll see you next Wednesday with a brand new episode. Remember to subscribe to the show and drop us a review. Sending glowing vibes your way, Katie and Chris.